So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Just Archie and Toby bringing this one to you this week after round 11 of Super Rugby Pacific. And a bloody close weekend it was up until our Sunday game. There was only four points or less that separated all the teams in these games this weekend. We got started on Friday night at Suncorp Stadium. The Reds now go down for a second successive week against... uh, New Zealand opposition that they definitely had their chances but couldn't quite close out a game versus the Chiefs despite them getting a late red card there, 27-25. But they went then headed over to Perth where the Western Force put up a valiant effort against the Blues, the top of the ladder Blues, 22-18, only falling four short there. It was great to see the crowds out on Saturday afternoon in Fiji. Amazing their scenes there as the Drua put on a show early on running in a couple of quick tries off the backs of um, Bosi on the wing there. Absolute um, Usain Bolt in this sprinting so quick, but they couldn't just uh, hold out the clinical Highlanders who got home in the end 27 to 24. And then it was the stuff of fairy tales down at Leichhardt, a packed Leichhardt oval as the Tars took on the Crusaders rivals over many years have faced off in multiple Super Rugby Championships and no one gave this Waratahs team a chance. I'm pretty sure we didn't give them a chance to to win this game, but that's exactly what they did. 24 to 21, they started hard. They started early and despite the Crusaders coming back hard in the second half, it wasn't enough. The Tars take down the Crusaders and there were multiple tears going out and I'm sure multiple drinks going on after that game. Then we had the Rebels take down the minor Pacifica, 26-22. Some good signs there, but an overall probably unconvincing performance. Uh, They would have wanted to see more, I think, but minor Pacifica uh, having a week off, potentially helping them to look towards trying to get their second win in this competition. And then the Brumbies, it was back and forth with the Hurricanes on Sunday afternoon at GIO. 42-25 is how it ended up um, with a couple of late scores for the Brumbies there. They just miss out on the bonus point, but they hold on to that crucial second place in Super Rugby Pacific. Overall, Toby, you got to be pretty happy with how the Australian teams are performing and holding up against these their Kiwi counterparts in these games. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you said, with the Reds, there was definitely potential there for a win for them. And even last week, they really did give that game away a little bit. So I really do see a lot of promise with these teams. I think we're closing the gap to to the Kiwi opposition somewhat. You know, the, the Waratahs, it was a really, really strong win by them and they, they played terrifically well. Um, some of the Crusaders were missing. It wasn't a completely full-strength lineup. there. Moanga wasn't there at 10, for example. But you've got 
got to say, look, they played in the right fashion. They look like a really composed unit. And the Crusaders just, you know, regardless of what they threw at the Tars, the Tars didn't falter. So, you know, a, a lot to like about a performance like that. I think generally there's a lot of confidence around the traps at the moment in some of these Australian teams, particularly Brumbies, Waratahs, and hopefully still the Reds. They do have that confidence in, you know, in what they can do on the field when they're playing well. Um, I think they'll right, right, uh, I think they'll rise to the occasion in the the later rounds here to actually, you know, really shore up their playoff spot and um, you know, mm. give themselves a shot to really take it deep into the the final series. Yeah, unfortunate for them. They've seen another injury with Taniela Tupo, another sort of superstar of that team, out for the next four weeks. It looks that potentially out unless they go deep into the finals of Super Rugby Pacific. Um, that's a calf strain that he had to leave the field early in the second half with. So without him, and then still at least one more week, potentially two, um, without O'Connor at 10, that does seem to just just hurt their chances a little bit to sort of maintain their position in that sort of top four, sort of top five sort of area of the ladder. Yeah, I mean, it's a key loss, isn't it? A tired head prop of his calibre is just a huge, um, it's going to have a huge impact of them on set piece. And, you know, we know what he can do around the field as well with his carries and his defence. So Taniel will be sorely missed. And, I mean, fingers crossed he's all right for that, you know, forthcoming Wallaby series in, in July. I mean, it's a little while off now, but, you know, he's going to be a key piece in that as well. O'Connor, I think we saw him in a bit of a, you know, a brace or something on the weekend before the game leading into these games. And, you know, it's a little bit difficult at his age to get a true sense of how long it's going to take him to get back. But, you know, this Reds team does still have a lot of really high quality pieces there. I think Fraser McWright playing out of his skin, even someone like Richie Asiato who's come in, I think was pretty strong on Friday night. And, you know, Lawson Crichton, although he had his moments, you know, a few, errors there at key times I think he's got a fair bit of promise too so there's still a lot to like about the Reds team in in the players they have left um and the good thing is I think look they're not going to fall out of the playoffs here it's just you know where are they going to be playing first round are they going to you know end up with one of the tougher matchups against someone like the the Crusaders or the Blues or are they going to be able to fight their way up the ladder a little bit and give themselves more of an opportunity to maybe do some damage do you still think the Crusaders um, should be considered one of the tougher opponents? Would you prefer to go to Christchurch and play them or would you prefer to go to Auckland and play the Blues or Hamilton and play the Chiefs at this point? I think in the current form that we're seeing, look, the Blues are the number one team at the moment, um, but that can change in a couple of weeks. Like I think the Crusaders still have the pedigree. Like I said before, they had some pl- players that were resting and they tend to peak at the right time. So I wouldn't say that they're, you know, number one in terms of the teams to beat, but I think they'd be still for me ahead of the Chiefs, although the Chiefs are very dangerous. Um, but they don't look as, you know, invincible as they once did. I think that's that's the key here. They, they used to be able to rest guys and really be able to get away with it and still win games comfortably, and that's probably no longer the case. Um which I think is a real, you know, I think it's good for the competition, to be honest. You know, it's nice to see a bit of a shake-up, some vulnerability in these Crusaders teams, um, you know, because over the last 
decade or so, they've been pretty consistent. And, you know, Razor Robinson, like I said, he will get them, you know, pretty much at peak performance at the right time. But, you know, show, you know, going off the back of last year, the Blues were able to secure a title. And I just think there's more players there. I think the Brumbies are someone really to look out for that are coming into their own. Um, so it's just, it's not all about the New Zealand teams and it's not all about your typical, you know, top seeds as the Crusaders have been for a number of years. How good was it to see those crowds, though, on uh, Saturday in particular? Um, I'm talking about, obviously, the first game in Fiji for the Drua as a home game, and then to see um, Leichhardt Oval packed out for this Tars game, um, a game that I'm sure a lot of people didn't expect sort of big things for. It's it's a nice, refreshing change after seeing the half-empty stadiums of um, Amy Park in Melbourne last week. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a bit, as we talked about, that was a bit of a downer for Super Round. But, you know, the crowds have shown there's still plenty of interest there when it's played in the right venues. Um, Leichhardt Oval is becoming, you know, surprisingly packed out on, on a number of occasions this season. I think the Crusaders game obviously was a big draw card. But I was there last year for the same fixture. Um, oh, no, sorry, that actually was the Rebels-Crusaders game. But still... I just noticed a real uptick in support for the Tars. And that that comes with the wins that they've been getting. Like the Sydney crowds can be quite fickle. And now that we've seen the Waratahs really lift their game, people are getting behind them. And I think that that kind of is building off the back of traditionally some pretty strong crowds in the shoot shield over the last few years. So we're getting that sort of vibe down at Leichhardt Oval, which is excellent. Obviously, that, that probably won't last into next year if we move back to one of the biggest stadiums, you know, the new stadium open opening up in Moore Park. That'll probably be the host venue for most of Waratah's games going forward. But there's still to come, you know, Hurricanes at Leichhardt Oval, mm. Blues at, at Leichhardt Oval. So two really high-quality fixtures for people to, to come out for. And, look, they're, they're probably spinning a bit of money out of it because it's a – a venue that's probably not really like it's low cost to run, but you're still getting people really getting into the beers and, and food and, and getting stuck in there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, really great to see. And I'm just sad that I missed out on going. Mm-hmm. I was meant to get down there. I didn't end up, you know, being able to get there. And obviously that's the time when the Tars really pull off such a memorable victory. I missed out on 2014 final as well. And <laughs> you know, this is another one to add to the list that I've missed out on. What sort of fan are you, Tobes? Come on. Yeah, mate, it's horrible. <laughs> um, looking forward now, um, I think you'd love to see the Tars in further years to dedicate one or maybe two, like, fixtures a year to back to Leichhardt, just seeing, like, this sort of ability for, one, they seem to have recently good games there um, and can probably improve the record and getting, like, those crowds in to one of those sort of local, smaller sort of areas, prime rugby league territory, obviously, with Balmain Tigers previously sort of home ground there. Um, so if you can get get crowds in there, maybe just turn a few more heads and get a few more people interested in rugby union as well. Yeah, look, I totally agree. I think that the biggest issue with that is, you know, the corporates that get involved and some of the, you know, the money behind it um, that, you know, I think we've gone away now, which is a good thing from having games at, at, at Accor Stadium, now ANZ Stadium. 
Um, you know, I think that was a not a good venue for rugby at the best of times. Even the Wallabies there isn't amazing. Um, but having Waratahs play in these little, the smaller venues, which, you know, is quite typical in somewhere like the UK in the Premiership where you have stadiums that are fifteen to 20,000 people and they get packed out every week and the atmosphere is great. Um, you know, in Australia, traditionally, we go for the bigger venues, um, but that can hurt you sometimes when the team isn't performing well. Um, and great to see Tane and Met as well there with his dad, obviously, the you know, played for a number of years for the Tigers, um, you know, having that sort of link to that ground and and the heritage behind that and then get such a, a famous victory in, you know, so early in his career, I think is, um, you know, it was great as well. And you saw the emotion after the game from him in, in one of the interviews. Let's get on to round 12 of Super Rugby Pacific. And it's, it's amazing. There's only four rounds left of this 15-round competition. It's going by way too quickly. Obviously, we thankfully have finals, but we're getting very, very close to the time where Wallaby spots are going to start getting snapped up. Um, and as you already mentioned, people like Fraser McRide are really making the impression, even drawing Rennie into the comment, comment that he might be looking at playing two open side um, flankers at some point during um, the Wallabies international season. Whether we think that's a good idea or not, it just shows how much he's seen out of Fraser McRide there. But we kick off this Friday night, Blues back at home at Eden Park, hosting the Rebels. Um, this is top of the top of the ladder versus Rebels who have just snuck into the top eight um, now with that win over Moana Pacifica. Um, Tobes, anything that you're seeing from the Rebels that makes you think that they're going to be able to bring something more? I mean, you've got to admire sort of the game Carter Gordon put together on the weekend. Um, they seem to have a little bit more with Leota there as well. Um, but, of course, the big the big highlight was Carter Gordon's um, come from behind running tackle to save the try, um, knocking the ball free of Lyndon McCl- McClutchen um, in the end half of that game. Yeah, just reminiscent of George Gregan on Jeff Wilson there. Um, mm-hmm. Amazing tackle. And Carter Gordon showing his worth, I think, the fact that Tamu is out with a uh, you know, concussion from his HIA last, last week. Um, you know, Carter Gordon now looks like he'll hopefully hold on to that position at 10. And this team's really building, I think, into their season. I don't think it'll be enough, obviously, to, to get over a team like the Blues unless they heavily rotate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can't really rule out any team in this competition. Anyone on their day can beat another team. Um, and, you know, Kellaway, Hodge, these sorts of guys can lift in those moments and um, give the Rebels a shot. I wouldn't be picking them, but I think they're improving which is promising. I just don't think it'll be enough. And it's going to be really tough for them to get into the finals given, you know, it's the force and also the Highlanders fighting it out for those kind of lower spots on the table, um, Mm. maybe fighting it out for eight. So um, I wouldn't be backing them to make finals from here. Um, But all they can do, as we've talked about, is kind of play a bit for next year, play individually. You know, they've got a lot on the line, these players individually, to actually perform for their contracts. You know, guys that are coming off contract, I think they'll be keen to, to really put in a good showing. But ultimately, it's about the club and they need to, you know, keep some respect um, about the place and, and not really kind of, you know, take the last few weeks off, regardless of the fact they won't be making finals. Mm. 
Um, what do you make of the comments from Tim Horan, aka do you believe the man or not, when he talks about how um, he apparently heard from Rebels management that they're looking to sign some big names and he threw around the names such as Samu Karevi, he threw around the names of maybe even getting a um, Kiwi halfback, he said TJ Perinara um, in the back there and things. What do you make of that? Do you think that's a bit of, bit of bluster from the the former Wallaby there, a bit of just trying to grab a headline, or do you think there's any merit to it? I mean, if he's saying it, he's well-connected enough for me to think that there's some truth to it. Samu Karevi has been in Japan for a little while now, and although he's always said that he'd like to come back to the Reds, you just don't know. If there's big money to be spent down there in Melbourne, um, then that could definitely attract someone like Samu Karevi. And TJ Perinai, even though he's not at the peak of his powers, you know, he could be lured over I think to to provide some experience in that position but ultimately we've seen this before and we we mentioned it last week I think in terms of trying to sign big names um, without really truly working on the chemistry of the team as a whole and you need to get the coaching set up right I think coach the coach needs to be the priority if they can get someone really good in to actually coach a team full of superstars then great but until you actually build into that, I don't think there's any point bringing guys in cold, you know, willy-nilly to try and plug holes. Um, you know, I can imagine them thinking, oh, we could have TJ Perinara couple in with Carter Gordon, Tamura in the centres with Karevi, and then we got Kellaway and Hodge, and suddenly we got this kind of star-studded back line. But, you know, we've seen a couple of injuries in that, and it just all kind of falls apart, falls to pieces. Um so, look, good intentions, hopefully, by the Rebels. And you do want them to perform because, ultimately, if they continue to be pretty mediocre, they may not last long-term in this competition. And that's the last thing we want, more turnover of teams. So part of me wants to see them do well. I just can't stand them at the moment in, in the way that they play a lot of their selections. And I just don't find them an interesting team to watch. But... You know, with a few key signings, that could turn quickly if it's done in the right fashion. Mm-hmm. And they do continue to get names back. Pono Famasili finally got an uh, appearance um, once again in Super Rugby this last weekend as well, um, who is still an exciting player to watch. Um, Blues Rebels in Eden Park, what's your line? What do you think the bookies have this at? Look, assuming that the... I'm going to have to assume the Blues just play there pretty much yeah. full-strength team. Yeah. Um, I think they rested a couple of guys against the force. Um, I'd take Blues probably 23 and a half. Yeah, you're good as 24 and a half, so right on the money there. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I can't beat you against Leo this week. Um, the Reds get another home game, Suncorp Stadium, against this Highlanders team that have um, done a bit of travelling now because they've hopped from... New Zealand to Melbourne to Fiji back to Queensland now. Um, got the win last weekend, but wasn't convincing by any means. Uh, is this the Reds' chance to get a bit of momentum, even with uh, a few sort of lacking stars? Yeah, look, I think it is a real opportunity for the Reds to get their season back on track a little bit, although I see this very much as a bit of a trap game for them. Um, and losing Taniella, still not having Jock. I think the guys that have come in are serviceable and they've improved um, and they'll be better for the run out last week, a lot of them. But, yeah, like the Highlanders are a team with play with plenty of heart and 
they'll kind of surprise you, I think, at times mm. where they'll just pile on some points. Reds need to be careful here. They are the better team in my eyes by a fair stretch, and I think they should win this game. I don't think it'll be super comfortable for them, though. Mm-hmm. What's your line? What do you think the bookies have? Um, look, Reds should be favoured. I don't think it'll be huge. Probably something like eight and a half. Yeah, even less than that here. They have four and a half to the Reds. Uh, so yeah. identifying a close one. Good to see a few people getting back, though, for the Reds uh, here with Salakai Lotto. Um, back of the bench and Sarah Uru making appearances. So um, you'd think that having a couple of big bodies like that might help against Highlanders pack that does get pretty physical. Next, the Waratahs heading over to New Zealand for Saturday afternoon there at uh, Mount Smart Stadium in South Auckland um, against the Moana Pacifica. Um, That kicks off at 4.30pm local time, um, 2.30pm Australian time. Um, Who do you have? Uh, look, I have to take the Waratahs. I think they've got plenty of momentum going to this game. I don't think it'll be easy by any stretch. I think Moana Pacifica, although they haven't really impressed this year, playing back at what is, I think, their home stadium at Mount Smart, you know, like, is this the first time they played there this year or second time? No, they've played Either. there a couple of times now. They do Are tend they? to get okay. a pretty good turnout um, of fans down there. And it's quite, yeah. a, quite a good stadium to play at. Um, that's yeah. where they did get their win over the Hurricanes. Okay, okay. Um, look, I, I have to be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot of them this year. Um, but I have to back my team. Tars, I think, just really, again, continue to, to improve and surprise people. And I don't see any reason why they can't come in here and do really well. I think the fact... It's not at Eden Park. Somewhere like that is probably a benefit to them. Like there's not that kind of aura around Mount Smart Stadium from a rugby perspective as much. So I think they won't be um, intimidated by the venue. I don't think um, the the Pacifica really have the, the players to do enough damage to this Tars team that been really good defensively um, and they've been really stifling a lot of these attacking teams, they did it to the Crusaders. I think if they play with the same intensity, they should have no trouble keeping Mona Pacifica at bay. Um, and hopefully, you know, with any luck, they're going to be able to show some of their attacking flair as well and score some tries here. Um, really keen to see the team sheets. Mm-hmm. I'd have to assume that Tane Edmed has done enough to make, uh, retain his spot, even though Donaldson's now back in the, in the fray there. Um, obviously, Will Harrison, you know, he'll be pretty, pretty upset by that because mm-hmm. he was just starting to to really, you know, not yeah, really. He would, start. he would have loved to be able to be on the field for that game on the weekend there. Yeah, he de- he's definitely one that was fighting for that starting spot, and now that's just been taken out of his hands. And there are two guys with a lot of talent that are getting more games under their belt and it'll be difficult for him. I mean, if Ed Med stays around next year, it's going to be difficult for Harrison, I think, to make the 23. Mm. Um, they'd definitely be wanting to try and get a bonus point uh, in this game here just to try and keep themselves in sort of that top touch because they're getting very close to um, the Reds in fifth place there as well. Um I think they'll probably keep a very similar team to what they've had 
Uh, I think the gamble hoop uh, uh, combination seems to be working well. Um, and I think uh, Vossiato at eight is actually quite a good option with Harris um, giving a little bit of impact off the bench as well. Um, what margin do you think the bookies have this one at Tobes? Um, look, I think Tars, again, they should be favoured, even though they're the away team. I think Michael Hooper's fitness perhaps plays a little bit into this if he misses out with a concussion. Um, you know, Gamble obviously is is a great guy to have there, can move into the seven spot. Um, but I think that will impact the line. I think at this stage it's probably Waratahs by three and a half. Yeah, a little bit more generous, seven and a half, so a try in it is what they're putting on here. It's probably fair. Before we go on to the Chiefs Brumbies, can we just talk about um, what is going on with refereeing and high tackles um, in recent weeks? Because there seems to be another shift, and it's not 100% on each side, but you have people like Angus Gardner and Ben O'Keefe now sort of really talking themselves around a lot of these um, high contact sort of areas, shoulder charge sort of areas um, in sort of laws that they were refereed very differently 12 months ago. Prime examples being um, a few shoulder charges on the weekend where now if they see one arm wrapping with the other arm shoulder charging, they're now saying, no, no, that's enough of a wrap. And then what they're also seeming to do, and this is more Ben Keefen um, on the weekend in that Crusaders game, I believe, in terms of looking at people bending at the hips. And then if even though if you're in a good position to, to make the tackle, even though you make head high contact, then that's nothing. And it's not, it's not negating it out of being a yellow card and just being a penalty. It's now nothing. It's, it's not anything. It doesn't matter that you shouldered him in the head, even though he was sort of mid-tackle and moving a little bit. Um, whereas even a few weeks ago, it seemed like any contact um, above the shoulders, especially if it was direct, you were looking at a penalty, probably a card. And now the fact that that can be nothing now just seems to blow my mind. Um, it's just yeah. feels really strange in a really sort of 180 turn um, from the, some of these referees. I mean, some of these bad decisions are really rife at the moment. We've seen this trend, though, in Super Rugby for, you know, the last four or five years where they go hard on a particular concept and then they really ease up on it throughout, you know, as we move into the season further because they realise, oh, look, it's having the potential to ruin games. There's so much impact from these cards. But, to you know, with Ben O'Keefe's one, to actually have direct contact to the head and then be like, no, I was, you know, no, nothing there, no penalty. It's like, you know, of course there should be a penalty if you're hitting the guy in the head. You know, even if it's not direct contact or whatever, mm. you're sliding up, you know, that's a penalty. It's pretty simple. You know, if you're looking to mitigate which cards are coming out, I can understand that. I think we just, it can't, it can't be that difficult to find a balance. We've, we've been able to, you know, reduce the amount of impact that a red card has by having that 20-minute rule, mm. which I think has been working. You know, it's not the end of a game if that happens, unless it happens really late in the game where, you know, you don't get a player back. But 
all in all, I think that's been a positive move. But then to take a step back and, and be really inconsistent across the board with these different referees deciding, oh, look, no, that's nothing. Let's, you know, play on kind of thing. Again, it impacts fans because you don't know what's going to happen next. You can't rely on any sort of um, proper interpretation when that's happening. Um, yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, it does me. seem confusing. It's like it confuses me as a fan watching these games. It must confuse the players because they have no idea now what's coming if something happens. Um, it's just it's hard to get your head around what's going to happen. And it's as you say, it's like inconsistent between refs now. So something one week will be a yellow card and then this week it might not be anything at all. And so it's 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 the thing that we get annoyed about. And the annoying thing is I think we almost had quite good consistency on a lot of these calls in the first few weeks of this. It seemed harsh, but it seemed yeah. to be quite consistent. Um, and now pretty clear cut. Yeah. And, you and know, now we just sort of muddy the waters again. Yeah, and again, I can just see this becoming an issue for the Wallabies um, and having the potential to really destroy some of the games that they have. You know, the players have now learnt that they can't afford to be reckless in the way they're tackling. You know, they don't always get it right, and that's almost impossible to do so with how fast things are moving. Um, You know, gone are the days with those really malicious tackles where people are actually intentionally going for the head. Um, these days it's, you know, it's just a result of people trying to really make big, strong, dominant tackles and just getting it slightly wrong. Someone steps at the last moment or they kind of lower into the tackle and you don't lower, you know, following that and suddenly it's a card. So for the casual fan, I can't imagine how they're feeling about it. If you're confused, I'm pretty concerned with the general state of affairs mm. um, because you're someone who pays attention every single week and if these interpretations are baffling you, then we've got bigger problems. Mm, absolutely. All right, let's let's keep looking forward to next week. Um, so um, Chiefs at home in Hamilton hosting the Brumbies. What's your margin pick here, mate? Oh, this is this is a tasty matchup. I think it's it has to be pretty even. I know the bookies are like, they'll be slightly backing the Chiefs, I would say, as favourite. I'm going to say Chiefs by one and a half. You think it's going to be closer than the bookies? They give Chiefs a try here, seven and a half points, which is surprising, I think, given what dominant displays the Brumbies seem to have put together over the last sort of two weeks, and they only seem to be getting um, more members of the team back um, with the likes of Tom Banks returning to the fold this week and having a pretty good impact straight away. Um, even getting a try uh, back in his first game back after that injury. Um, surely, surely it's going to be close. I'm, I'm very tempted and I think I am going to pull the trigger and um, head down the road to Hamilton um, for this game. I've never been to the stadium there, but I just can't really pass up on this matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an amazing match, I think, from a spectacle Um, regardless of the result. I think that's a bit of disrespect to the Brumbies. You know, I know it's in New Zealand. Um, I know Chiefs territory is it's pretty passionate down there. But from my perspective at the moment, the Brumbies are playing with a lot of consistency. They're a smart rugby team. 
I think they've got the utmost confidence in their abilities and they've they've beaten the Highlanders and the Hurricanes, you know, over two weeks. I think they can go here and, and do it, um, you know, do it again and get three in a row against Kiwi mm. opposition, which, you know, I can't really remember the last time an Australian team did that. It's probably been a while. This is going to be a huge test. Like, don't get me wrong, the Chiefs are a good team. I think overall... At a neutral venue, I think the Brumbies would be favoured, um, given it's in Chiefs territory. Yeah, I can understand them being favourites, but to this extent, probably no. I think I'd still be taking the Brumbies by like three points. Um, yeah, wow. I think they can do it. Mm. They're a high-quality rugby team. They've lost one game all year. And, yeah, I think, again, it, it feeds into this, this thought I have that Dan McKellar, is, it's his last year as head coach of the Brumbies, and I th- really think he wants to finish on a high. I think the players really, you know, have a lot of faith in him and they want him to, to get that farewell. So I think they'll continue to roll on and, you know, I think it's going to be a great game for you to go and see. Game of the round? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's some... Yeah, I'd say, yeah, game of the round for sure. I think there's there's a few dud games in there um, <laughs> that may be quite one side. I think, you know, we'll talk about it next, but Crusaders' force could get ugly. Um, Kane's drawer, who knows? Mm. You know, there's a lot of games that could really blow out, I think. Yeah. Whereas absolutely. this one just screams to me to be, you know, coming down to the wire. Mm-hmm. But that said, I thought there'd be a few blowouts last week and we just didn't quite mm-hmm. see it um, in this position. Teams seem to be able to defend and score um, quite equally. But you're right, on Saturday night, we're heading over to Perth, another home game for the force, um, but another tough opposition uh, taking on the Crusaders team that you'd expect to probably see Moanga back in the lineup here. Um, there's definitely been an air of panic around New Zealand. I think some of all these articles are out saying how they need to make sure they secure getting Damian McKenzie back um, from Japan for the World Cup because they need extra coverage um, at 10. Um, and they don't think if anything happens to Moana or Barrett that they'd have they'd trust anyone else. Um, bearing in mind, we had the Rebels and Blues at a margin of 24 points here. What do you think? the fourth and Crusaders, do you think it's going to be, they'll tip the Crusaders by more or do you think by no, I less? Think by less, I think. Look, over in Perth, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more challenging over there, I'd say. And the force, although they haven't been great this year. They um, did hold, you know, remember, they did hold the Blues pointless um, in the second yeah. half of last week. Yeah, they're by no means a bad team. I still think they have the potential to make the finals and snatch that eight spot. Um, Crusaders should win this game, but I'd, I'd be saying the margins between, you know, 15 to 20, like 18 and a half or something to the Crusaders. You're on your form today. It's 17 and a half to the Crusaders. So, yeah, just over two converted tries. But I think, I think you're right. I think the Crusaders will come out and try and start hard and start early because that's something they've lacked. Um, for several weeks now Um, but they just don't seem to have that same sort of awareness like the ball doesn't just magically go to hand when they're doing offloads now there's a lot of drop ball around Um, a lot of people um, overrunning sort of lines or not being in the right spot 
and then their set piece has has been shown to just sort of fall off a little bit at times during the game as well. So I think I think it'll be a reasonable showing here. But you're right, you can't go against the Crusaders two weeks in a row, as we always say. Um, oh yeah, I think look, this just screams of you know Crusaders angry. Um, ready to really make a statement. Um, and you're right, the force did really look pretty pretty good. I think they're getting their selections more where they need to be, um, particularly across the back line. I think they look pretty sharp. But Crusaders, when they're wounded, beware because they'll come back twice as hard. Absolutely. I just recall when the Chiefs obviously went down to um, Christchurch and beat them by three points, and then two rounds later the... Um, Crusaders came back up to Hamilton and then put 34 points on the Chiefs and won by 15. So they don't like um, successive defeats and they do tend to come out with a bit of fire um, in their belly when when things don't go their way. The final game of the round, and um, it's another Sunday afternoon game, which i I got to say I just really enjoy um, having these sort of late on a Sunday afternoon, but it's the Hurricanes hosting the Drua down in Wellington. Um, Hurricanes obviously would have been disappointed coming off that loss. The Drew are so close yet couldn't quite secure the victory. Um, but these are two teams that I think, I feel like there's just not going to be that much defence played in this game. I feel like there's going to be all-out attack the whole time and it's just going to be who can get the most points um, in, this, in this. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's kind of, I think, you know, often the temptation of, of the Hurricanes just to go all out and forget about their fundamentals. Um, the Drua, their strength is in their, you know, the disjointed play, their counterattack, um, their unpredictability. And I can just see the Hurricanes really trying to match that and not being prepared to, to play it safe as much. Um, so, again, it could be a really entertaining spectacle, mm. high-scoring um, I'd still be saying that the Hurricanes should be winning this pretty comfortably. Um, in my mind, I think the margin probably in Wellington, we're talking, you know, maybe 26 and a half to the Canes. Ooh, giving them a good, good lead there. So obviously the drawer are making a bit of an impression um, with the bookies because it's 15 and a half points um, on the tab here. So, I think they're, they've seen what the drawer can do. They can put some quick points on. Um, and they seem to have improved their set piece. Their line out is looking a little bit more consistent. Um, by no means the top standout of the competition, but they're seeming to, to make a little bit more of a splash here. Um, other news around the world, and we had English women's team clean swept Grand Slam for the um, Six Nations up there taking down France. Who were they? biggest competition um they're sort of aiming up for um what looks to be a, a exciting world cup later this year in new zealand the women's world cup um while the wallaroos are getting together and securing a few matches ahead of that as well um aiming up to play canada and japan in a few weeks time um and they're locked in to do a double header um with uh one of the uh, rugby championship games, which is going to be hosted in on Adelaide Oval of all places um, this year. It's the first time I think I've ever heard 
the Wallabies playing in Adelaide Oval, but definitely trying to spread a little bit more um, out. They've seen what they can accomplish down there in Perth, so maybe they think that Adelaide might have a bit more of a spark as well. Yeah, I think growing the game, you know, we're trying to get everyone in Australia an opportunity to actually go and see, you know, a Wallabies game. I think actually the Gregan tackle on Wilson was at Adelaide Oval. Oh, right. Feeling. Um, also, I think there was a World Cup game there where we played maybe Namibia or something. That was um, a 126 sort of points to possibly, five or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it could have been one of those sorts of games. So it's been nearly 20 years since they've got, you know, a slice of Wallabies rugby there. Um, I think it's an amazing ground from a cricket perspective and mm. AFL as well. Again, you've got that issue that it is, you know, a round stadium, but I think it's it's probably intimate enough that it'll be quite good. And mm. um, I'm sure people will get out there to support. Um Am I have, have they not announced the third Bledisloe or is there only going to be two this year? Uh, so it's only two this year. So they've they've dropped okay. it back down this year and potentially they've said most likely next year as well. Um probably the big the big news with that. So that game I said in Adelaide Oval is the Wallabies Spring Box game on the 27th of August, along with the Wallaroos versus the women's um all blacks team there as well. Um, and then the 15th of September in Melbourne is the Bledisloe in Australia, but that's a midweek game. So yeah, that, that is, yeah, so that's correlating because of timing around the um, finals of the AFL and NRL um, in the same area. They didn't want to try and compete um, with a sort of grand final weekend down there in Melbourne. And so they've decided to put on a midweek game. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think, you know, we've seen with Origin how successful Wednesday nights can be for a game and there's really not much else going on. Um, you know, traditionally during the year there might be an AFL or NRL game on on a Thursday, but, um, you know, having a Wallabies game there, once off doesn't seem too bad to me. I'd be going if I was down in in Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the Bledisloe going down to two, I can understand next year with a World Cup year, but... Interesting that they're doing it this year as well. I guess it goes to the thinking that, you know, the Wallabies, even if there were three games that have to win two out of three, you know, to get the Bledisloe Cup back, you know, at the moment, if we win one out of two, New Zealand are going to still retain it. So that's a bit frustrating. But I guess look, we just got to set our sights on winning two games against New Zealand in a, a given year and, and we'll be back in the money. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not. I'd prefer it probably not to be in um, Melbourne um, compared to maybe no. having it in Suncorp. That just I think hurts us. We don't quite have the same history there. Um, but as you say, hopefully we'll we'll get a better crowd than what we've seen um, around there. Well, it's Marvel. Area. It's Marvel Stadium as well, isn't it? I think. Yeah. So it's the it's the under uh, the one with the roof. The one with the roof, but also the round one as well. Yeah, which. Again, isn't great. I mean, I'd look, Arch, I'm, I've got my sights on coming over for that Eden Park game. Um, mm. Which does that happen first or second? Yeah, so that's the 24th of September, actually. So that will be after. Okay. 
Well, so you never know. I mean, maybe, that, I, I maybe like that'll be a, a win in Eden Park to reclaim Bledisloe and first win in 22 years. Who knows? I think optimistically, we've got we've got the squad. I think now to really challenge. Mm. I think under Rennie, he's making some really smart selections. Um, as long as we don't have too many injuries floating around, which is currently a little bit of an issue. Um, you know, if we get a couple of key guys back from overseas. I think we're really in good shape. We just need to really start off well against England and make sure we embarrass Eddie Jones and then we can really take some good form into the rugby championship. Yeah, actually, let's, let's make that priority number one at this stage, embarrassing Eddie Jones. That's going to feel 100%. really, really nice. Other sort of notable injuries around uh, places, probably the biggest one to note is Joe Moody for the All Blacks. Um, there's been a bit of discussion on who's going to be their front row, but Joe Moody is out for the re- remainder of the year. So he will miss um, not only the Ireland series, but also um, the rugby championship as well. Uh, probably we've talked about how they've not sort of had the best sort of props and they haven't had sort of a really consistent sort of pool that they've been using in recent years and coming up against an Irish pack with a very vaunted front row. Um, that will make things interesting, uh, at least in the set piece and scrums for that series. Yeah, I think, look, the answer definitely doesn't lie with people like Tyrell Lomax and Angus Tarval, all these guys that, you know, somehow made the All Blacks but can really succeed in Australian rugby. I think looking to the Blues is probably going to find a little bit of talent there. Um, Mm. I think someone like Alex Alex Hodgman, um, you know, Big Carl, um, and hopefully not Nepo La La La, but who knows? I mean, that guy's pretty average as well. So it's, yeah, it's nice again to see the All Blacks having a few concerns, but I think we tend to get ahead of ourselves when we get a little bit of a sniff of weakness and they tend to to cover that up pretty quickly. Mm. Um, So until I see it consistently, I won't be as bullish on our chances this year for the Bledisloe, but, you know, I definitely think we've been improving as a, you know, from a super rugby franchise perspective. Well, Tobes, we might leave it there for this week. Um, We will be back next week to have a look at what's happening and whether the Australian team can continue this sort of run of form and keep these games close. Um, Hopefully celebrate a few more Australian victories. Um, We're up to three over New Zealand teams this year already, which is quite a nice thing after only two rounds. Um, Make sure you are liking and subscribing to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and following us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, we're at Running Rugby Podcast. Twitter, we are at Running Rugby Pod. Um, tune in for a few of these games. Chiefs, Brumbies, Saturday night. That's that's what I'm looking forward to um, and hopefully see an absolute cracker of a match. But if not, if you miss that, tune in for that Hurricanes-Fiji game. I reckon you'll see a boatload of points and some spectacular highlights from some of these Fijians, uh, flying Fijians that are on the up and up. Um, either way guys enjoy this weekend enjoy the rugby we'll be back next week and as always keep on running run